Good afternoon. This is Daniel Patrick Brennan. This is the Wine is Food podcast, and I am here with Jesus Seha in the Sonoma Valley. Uh, my interview with my first brewer on the uh, on the podcast, but also a wine grower, so uh, a lot of crossover here, a lot of things to talk about. And as I just commented, I don't really know too much about uh, certainly the brewery at this stage because it's in its infancy stage. Uh, so I'm, I got a lot of questions, and I don't know much about brewing, so I got a lot of questions. But uh, uh, you could say hello to people in podcast land and iTunes and all that kind of stuff. Well, thank you for having me, uh, Daniel. It's a pleasure to uh, be spending this great afternoon. It's a beautiful outside here in Sonoma Valley. And uh, what better thing to do than talk to you? And sit in a brewery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, enjoy a few of the great beers. That's right. I think this is... Uh, this might be the first podcast I've had a beer during. We always seem to want to have uh, drink some wine and toast some wine, but uh, I think this is a little more appropriate. So we are in a beautiful new facility, but I guess how long has this building been here? Uh, uh, the structure has been here for uh, a couple of years. Uh, the brewery has been in the making for a couple of years. It's a, a project uh, that was initiated among uh, five brothers, five Seha brothers. Uh, we all have different backgrounds. Uh, I am the brewer, <laughs> the brewmaster. I actually went to uh, UC Davis through the brewing program, did an internship while I was going to the, um, through the brewing program with course, and they had a phenomenal um, program where um, you learn the whole aspect of brewing from quality control, walking through the bar, uh, barley fields, all the way up through packaging. They're vertically integrated. And so whatever you need uh, to make a glass of beer, they're in the business of, of making it happen. Yeah, so it out. Yep. Yeah. Now, going back to your family there, I did stop by here last year with uh, Macadio, who I've also interviewed on this podcast. And it was a bunch of I, – I, I get lost in the, in the family because I'm only coming in and out to maybe see you guys once a year or twice a year. But there was a bunch of brothers who seemed to bring a lot of different skills to the table – some engineers, I believe, some probably some guys who know some stuff about motors and and plumbing and carpentry and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your family and how big it is and, and uh, a lot of the different stuff going on in, in the area that you guys are involved in. Yeah, we, uh, uh, we're, we're a migrant uh, family with a very humble background. So there's ten siblings, seven brothers, three sisters. And uh, we uh, had the opportunity to um, basically gain different uh, different skills among the family. So uh, one of my brothers, he's an engineer. He's the oldest of the brothers. Uh, he's actually one of the co-owners of Seha Vineyards. Uh, they, they have a, a boutique uh, set of, of wines here in, in Napa and Sonoma Valley. And uh, he is uh, very... Um, focus on, on the details of engineering systems and so on uh, another brother the the second oldest is Nacho and uh, his background is actually um, architecture mm -hmm. so he has his own construction company and builds a lot of structures and so on and uh, the other brother is uh, the winemaker he is uh, Armando and he makes wine for Seha Vineyards um, the and I'm going in sequence. So the, the <laughs> other brother is uh, Martin, and he's the um, the mechanical engineer, engineer, if you will. He uh, 
he fixes tractors and uh, that's in the business of working on heavy equipment. And so far, so all on. very important. Jobs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and and uh, establishing a brewery and making it work absolutely. And then as me, uh, I, I as I mentioned, I went to uh, uh, Davis went through the brewing program. I have a master's uh, in business administration. And then the, the last uh, partner is my younger brother, uh, uh, Manuel, and he's uh, an engineer. He works for Procter & Gamble and uh, does a lot of stuff for them, but he's also a partner of the, um, of the brewery. Now, did you mention uh, you were out in, like, the Midwest working for somebody as well, I thought, when we... Yeah, so when, when I graduated out of uh, UC Davis, I, I, as I mentioned, I did an internship uh, with one of the major brewers. And uh, one of the, the very key ingredients in making a good glass of beer is having a good yeast strain. Uh, and I wanted to learn how to um, propagate uh, the yeast strains, how to maintain uh, to ensure that they were clean, and uh, make sure that I had a really good foundation on developing a yeast strain. So, so without getting too, too overwhelmingly technical, basically, um, when you have a wine yeast, for instance, you know that may uh, what, reproduce a couple times, if that, and then with brewing, you, you know the yeast is sort of you're using it over and over again. I mean, with I know that wasn't very technical at all. No, no, that, that's a good that's question. So, uh, in brewing. Uh, first of all, anywhere based on the beer style you're going to make, anywhere between 50 up to 70% of the flavor attributes come from the yeast strain. Mm -hmm. um, approximately 95% of the beer is water. So uh, those byproducts, the fermentation and the characteristics of that yeast strain are very critical to providing that overall profile. So to your question, uh, you can very easily propagate uh, the yeast up to 12 to 15 generations. Mm -hmm. Some of the craft brewers get a little high up to 25 or so. The danger of, of uh, having so many yeast generations, and a, a yeast generation is that you ferment it, you recover the, the yeast, and you pitch it again. That's yep. a generation. Is that uh, after about 17, 18 generations, uh, you have danger of genetically changing the profile of that yeast, and you have different flavor attributes that might not be particular to the original yeast strain that you stinky use. Stinky beer. Yeah. <laughs> stinky, funky, yeah. different. Yeah. Um, uh, so, sorry, getting back to what you said, you were, you were uh, propagating yeast and heading... Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you, you, uh, the Midwest, yeah, I work for a uh, company called Red Star Yeast, and their business is uh, propagating yeast. They, they made yeast for... Um, for beer, wine, as well as for uh, baking. Okay. And and so I wanted to, as I pointed out, being that it's so important in making a good glass of beer, I wanted to learn everything and anything about yeast. So I, I worked for them for several years, and then after I thought I learned enough, then I moved on and joined Anheuser-Busch uh, and worked for them uh, for about 15 years traveling the country as, where, as well as the world for that matter. Oh, yeah. So yeah. wh what countries did you go to? So uh, the last few years that I was uh, with Anheuser-Busch, uh, I was overseeing the brewing operations. Uh, we were brewing Budweiser under license, and, and so we had operations in Chile, Argentina, uh, Brazil, uh, Dominican Republic, Panama, and Canada. And then that was just within the 
the northern hemisphere, if you will, the Americas. Yeah, and the then Americas there was a whole bunch of other partnerships on, uh, in Europe and the rest of the world. But so I would you just were, um, I imagine your Spanish language came in handy some of those places? or uh, See, yeah. see <laughs> it, uh, it, it definitely helped, uh, yeah. especially going to, to Argentina, Chile, Panama. Was uh, it like, up. you know, coming from, you know, pretty, you know, I imagine – you know, St. Louis or, or Missouri or whatever, where they have these massive operations and where probably there's a bunch of massive operations that are pretty modern in the U.S. Was it, did they have modern operations in those countries or was it kind of, you know? Yeah, the, 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 opera- the operations, uh, brewing hasn't really changed much. It's pretty basic as far as taking your basic ingredients. There's basically five ingredients. Mm-hmm. You, you have uh, water, the malt, uh, the hops, and the yeast. Uh, the technology comes in and, and the processing. Sure. And so uh, the scale of the operations in Argentina, Panama, were much smaller. And that applies as well as in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. And so it's just uh, different models as far as the economies of those countries relative to what we have in the U.S. In the U.S., we have mega breweries where we leverage the distribution network. Yeah. Uh, relatively speaking, the especially a few years back, the price of, of fuel was relatively inexpensive. So it made a lot of sense to have decentralized uh, breweries throughout the U.S. And so you can supply different districts or regions within the U.S. Where you go to Argentina, Brazil, you basically have very small breweries supplying a very small area. Okay. Because of the, of the cost of distributing and just the whole cold chain supply to maintain the beer fresh and so on. Out of those countries, were there certain, any, you know, everybody makes beer, every country mm-hmm. you know, has. I think it's probably more widespread than wine growing even. So was there a bit of a culture there, and more in some countries than others? And did you were you surprised by, you know, walking into a certain place and going, actually, these people really know a lot about beer or really appreciate it, whereas some other countries may not have as much and just kind of wanted cheap plunk, you know. Was there a big difference in that you saw? No, the uh, if you go to um, Argentina, Chile, they, they have a very rich brewing tradition as well as Mexico. And, and people know, know their beer. Mm-hmm. They know what a fresh beer is, meaning that it hasn't been oxidized that uh, it hasn't been adulterated is like any food product uh, if you consume it in, in long enough you know the, the particulars of it and you know what is in profile and what is not in profile so uh, as far as having beer that uh, is spoiled or is not within within spec if you will mm-hmm. uh, people can tell right away and so it behooves those Brewers to ensure that they have the utmost quality to uh, retain their market share. But did you markets. see like any? So I don't know, maybe like more of a microbrew climate, or or any of a higher end appreciation in certain countries than others, or? Yeah, the the whole craft, uh, the high end uh, brewery, I think is it's uh, ever growing. Yeah. Uh, if you go into the major f- uh, urban centers, like at the capital of Panama, there's a little bit of movement. Mm-hmm. But primarily, it's all about having the um, the lager, kind of like American style, uh, European yeah. style. I mean, I think you could say that probably the same thing for New Zealand is, you know, that, you know, so the best breweries are kind of Auckland and Wellington and, you know, maybe a few and a speckled throughout the mm-hmm. country. But, you know, you kind of have your bigger, easier beers in the in the countryside and, 
and the sort of refinement maybe as you get into the urban areas. So that's probably, yeah, I get that. Cool. Yeah, in, in, uh, in Mexico, in the capital, Mexico City, there, there's a huge movement on, on the whole craft scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have very small brewers that are emerging, and, and they have small uh, uh, microbreweries that are developing and, and coming up with, you know, the box and Belgian-style type of uh, Hefeweizens. And cool. And yeah, so it, it's definitely on the move. That's good. Uh, and then, so you work for them for, oh, wait a minute, I have one more question. Then, yeah, Canada, I mean, that's like, you know, that's beer beer country up there. Mm-hmm. It was that, uh, what was the experience like up there? Yeah, uh, Canadians, uh, the, the very unique thing about Canada is, um, and, and this is their law, is in order for you to sell beer, you got to brew it in that province. So oh. every province has this uh, brewery. So... The partners that we had was actually um, Ambeb, and we had uh, eight breweries where we actually brew Budweiser under license. In eight different provinces. In eight different provinces. Wow. And so that's kind of unique, and uh, every every province you went to is a little sub-different culture. I think the same goes for, like, wine distribution. It's kind of state-run, and... You know, it's really it's sort of tough to get going, but once you get going, it can be pretty rewarding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, cool. So then you were you finished up there and came back out this way, or was that about the same time? Yeah. So uh, actually, Anheuser Busch was uh, bought out by InBeb, mm-hmm. so I stayed on for another year, uh, working domestically. I was doing a lot of process improvement um, work um, when. InBev bought out AB. They bought them for $52 billion, which is a huge yeah. purchase. And so they wanted to get the, the money back to the creditors uh, as soon as possible. And so they identified uh, a lot of low-hanging fruit where they would get the returns pretty quickly. And one area was focusing on the process. And uh, we deliver in the first year over $350 million uh, year over year on some of the f- process changes that were made. And there were a whole bunch of other changes when it came to marketing and so on and so sure. forth. But, um, so after that one year, then I, I decided to uh, come home out west mm-hmm. here in Sonoma. I, I have a, a small vineyard that I'm attending to. I am growing Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Petite Syrah, Zinfandel, and Grenache. Yeah, I, I have to interrupt you for a second because uh-huh. I've been out to that vineyard uh, a few times last year. And again, to help pick, uh, for some reason, in the middle of harvest, we got we got we're in the middle of a brewery here, so some noises are going to kick in. Yeah, have a little compressor, yeah. Um, all right, there we go. We're back. We uh, had a little air compressor go off here in the brewery. It gives like a, a real live feel to the podcast, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, like I was saying, I've been out to that. Um, to your vineyard and your house uh, a bunch of times last year and then again this year I, I think it's like there's a you know a lot of beautiful places out there I think it's a really beautiful place kind of uh, sort of slyly set back off uh, what is, that, is that what's that road that you go down there it's uh, Arnold and Sparing yeah. Arnold Road yeah and uh, just a really cool house and I don't know I, I just uh, always enjoyed going out there finding an excuse to go out there and that's why i came back this year in the middle of harvest to help pick oh thank you so much <laughs> uh, pino out there um now 
that was sort of was that in your family before did you kind of find that when you came back this way or what, what was actually I, I purchased the the property it's 33 acres uh while i was still in st louis mm -hmm. and so my my vision my dream was to purchase a uh, uh, plot of land so i could plant my own vineyard so we've been um, tending to vineyards for uh, over 50 years the family has mm -hmm. we've been in Napa and Sonoma for, for a while. And uh, that, that was my plan long-term to um, plant my own vineyard and uh, eventually make my own wine. I'm making my own wine as well as, as And what's beer. that label gonna be? Um, the the label is under, under development. <laughs> uh, the, the vineyard is Seja Farms. Uh -huh. and, and so I'm still working on, on the actual name, but uh, I have made uh, Chardonnay Cab Last year I made a, a state-grown uh, Petit Syrah. Cool. And this harvest uh, I made made uh, Zinfandel and the um, and Chardonnay. And so after the uh, the pad ca cast, you can probably taste some of the Chardonnay. See what you think of it. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I was just going to say you got a bit of a venue here to to sell when down the road if you do some release. So you maybe have some wine under your label here. Uh, oh, absolutely. That's yeah, yeah. The the brewery obviously the the focus is the beer, so yeah, th that's sure. an entity. The the wine is more of a personal okay. thing that I have the vineyard and, and that's my own label. So. Yeah, cool. Um, um, well, I guess that's how you qualified for the podcast. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've actually wanted, really wanted to like really uh, find a brewer uh, because um, I've had some buddies who are you know sort of fellow winemakers in new zealand that i went to school with and stuff that did a lot of brewing on the side and because these guys were you know studying fermentation and phenology and things like that they weren't your typical home brewers they had a, quite the process in, in the garage and lots of tanks and hoses and pumps and they knew what they were doing um and as from what i could tell it was a lot harder than making wine because <laughs> it's there's a you know you have to be a lot cleaner and i think you have to really watch uh you know that that because you're kind of always have a brew going uh, i think that's the one thing uh that people don't realize is that it's a constant grind brewing is like you know whereas you know winemaking i think you uh have this big big time of year and then it sort of lulls a little bit and then you have spurts of you know work you know steady work throughout the year but uh with brewing you seem to be you guys are always got a mash going and always doing something and you're always over a steaming pot of something so uh i have a, a real big respect for for brewing basically so i wanted to talk to somebody about it yeah no dan you bring an excellent point um uh, having both backgrounds uh brewing definitely is a little bit more complicated it, it requires a lot more uh discipline and processes so uh it, it is it's a very natural um uh, drink if, if you think about it the Malt, which is the the um, body of the beer, is it's a grain. It's mm -hmm. agricultural based, so very similar to grapes. They variate from year to year based on where the uh, the barley is is grown, whether you had too much rain, not enough rain, and, and so on. So the key of a, a brewmaster to consistently brew your beer consistently, whether you make a Hefeweizen, Morena Ale, or a, a Carneros IPA, as your uh, malt or barley changes from year to year then that's where the brewmaster comes in where you're constantly adjusting yeah. to ensure that you have that consistency 
Yeah, and winemaking, yeah. it's like you could have a year and be like, oh, it was a better year. Or the, you know, right. You're trying to get some consistency within certain brands, but uh, I think you could even market it to say, hey, this is a different year and a different style. And uh, certainly for smaller wineries, that's uh, always an option. Uh, I think when you get to a certain level, you're looking for more of a consistency. But with brewing, yeah, it's a totally different ballgame as that goes. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the other big thing is you basically start from a, a grain, and you basically have two different processes. The big one is malting, and that process consists of taking your your grain, which is, is basically starch. It has the enzymes and grain within your, your barley. Then you got to convert that grain into malt. Mm -hmm. And so what that process uh, consists of is basically hydrating that barley seed so automatically then the enzymes uh, or that seed begins to think, hey, I want to grow into a barley plant. Mm -hmm. And so there's a tremendous amount of enzymatic uh, and uh, biological activity that goes on. You're, uh, the biggest, biggest thing that's happening in a brewer standpoint is that you're generating, creating a lot of uh, enzymes, mm -hmm. often beta amylase. So after the third day of um, the the seed being hydrated and respiring and you blowing off the co2 and taking more water you you made enough alpha and beta amylases that you arrest all that activity and uh you dry it and you're ready to use it in the brewing process mm -hmm. and then the brewing process then you got to grind that you uh, transfer that into a mash vessel we call it the mash tun and and there you rehydrate that that malt at this point we call it malt and then the enzymes kick in and begin to do their job and so a uh, starch is just a long chain of single unit sugars mm -hmm. and so the alpha amylase um, takes that long chain of carbohydrates and chops it into smaller pieces called dextrins and then the uh, the, the beta amylase begins to reduce the ends of those smaller chains uh, which we call dextrins to make your fermentable sugars. So based on, on the amount of cooking time that happens in the mash tun, that's where you make your heavier palate beers versus the more lighter, crisp beers. Yeah. Uh, and what's happening there is, is just all that activity that you allow the enzymes to digest the starch. And you can come to the uh, brewery here Carneris Brewing Company. We're on 121. We're ba basically kind of right down the street from Fremont Diner. Uh, for people nationally and probably internationally, know that was kind of one of the big things on diners, drive-ins, and what's yeah, the it's right it? off Highway 12. The actual address of the uh, of the brewery. It's uh, right off. Uh, we. <laughs> What's it's 22985 Burndale Road, which is right off Highway 12. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's basically you can see the, the building from 121 as you're cruising into to Napa or Sonoma from San Francisco. Uh, and the, the way you've got this place set up is pretty cool. I came here for your sort of soft opening um, industry tasting, and you've got it set up kind of perfect for tours where we can literally sit there and drink while you <laughs> explain how you do your thing uh, with your you know, your mash and your kettle and everything right there. Uh, I do remember when we when I did that, though, you were explaining something that you do with your beers, maybe not every beer, but that uh, maybe not produce that. Uh, and I think it's why I like your beers 
is they're not over the top huge giant they're a little more smoother and it was something that you do you know what you explain yeah let, let me just back up a little bit okay. let me just uh, go a little bit in, into the side so we, we have a, a beautiful in my opinion beautiful a brewery right in the heart of the Carneros region we have a beer garden we actually have a, a little lake with the water fountains and we have a lush garden that surrounds the lake where you can uh, enjoy a picnic with your significant other, your family, bring your kids, bring your cats, dogs, whatever <laughs> you have, play frisbee, and bring your blanket. And uh, uh, one of the things that we're going to be offering as well as great beer is um, artisan cheese, artisan breads, and artisan meats produced here in, in Sonoma Valley. Uh, the other big attraction that we have is our uh, hop field. We have over an acre of, of uh, hops that we grow. Cool. And we grow aromatic hops as well as bittering hops. And uh, you can take a self-guided uh, walk through the uh, rows of the 20-foot high trellis hop systems uh, that we have. And you can come down and uh, take a tour of, of our uh, s small batch brews that we make we have a seven barrel system and you'll be uh, tasting out of our tap room and enjoying our, our taste room bar here that you mentioned mm -hmm. daniel yeah i think it's uh you're on to something here yeah <laughs> so w one of the things that daniel uh, you, you were speaking of was that um the, the beers that i make is uh, I, I like i'm into balanced beers where if, if you taste our Garneros IPA, it, it's about uh, tasting uh, the malt as well as the, the hops, the, uh, the aromatics, the, the nice, delicate, but yet balanced uh, bitterness. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we have estate-grown hops that we add to all the beers that we make. And uh, the, the types of hops that we grow in the bitter, and we, we have uh, Columbus, uh, Seuss hops, and then on the uh, aromatic um, varietals, we have um, sauce as well as some cascades. And so between those varietals and some other varietals that we add in, in our um, Carneros IPA, it just makes for uh, a balanced, hoppy, very drinkable IPA. And that speaks to our Hefeweizen, which is our Bavarian style uh, Hefeweizen. Um, the the color it's it's a little uh, on the amber side, mm -hmm. and but again it's all about the uh, the yeast strain that I'm utilizing to brew uh, that beer. I think you know without knowing a lot about beer, and I know that I like it and why I like it is because it's balanced. Uh, because and I tasted uh, what I think about four different beers that day. I think it shows you know a little more confidence and a little more experience than hey this is just we chucked in a bunch of hops and it's like over the top giant hoppy hoppy beer which I, personally i just get tired of pretty quick you know what i mean so uh i think that's a a great you know direction that you're headed in and i'm sure you know why you're headed in that direction for many many reasons uh but it was something that i noticed right away when i came by that day was uh this is you know a little something different here that you're that the beers here are a little something different and i excited to keep tasting them you know? um so yeah we're heading into the winter months here in in, in napa and uh right now you're providing beers for some other bars or, or restaurants and private people kind of or what, what's the yeah so the uh, we're not officially open 
uh, right here at the side. Uh, we have the ABC and TTB and I think any other federal agency, <laughs> uh, immigration and CIA. We have all those permits. We're still working with the uh, Sonoma County and on some specific permitting for the um, for the site. Sure. So uh, the site had a different use, and so we retrofitted to to meet the needs of the brewery, and so we're almost there. Uh, so we're we're looking here in the next couple weeks, few weeks to get done and, and have the grand opening for the site. Uh, as far as the beer, the, the fact that we have ABC and TTB, uh, we, we can uh, sell beer to the local bars as well as restaurants. But the, the strategy uh, behind developing our uh, Carneros Brewing Company brand is to uh, basically start um, doing a very grassroots, meaning that... Um, we're going to be self-distributing, and uh, we want people to come and enjoy the beers and, and really have a great experience. Uh, hopefully, they'll enjoy the beer where they can tell their friends and their family. And then have a, uh, we want to have a very strong win here locally in Sonoma, Napa, and Petaluma. And then once we have that foundation, uh, then we, we're, we want to expand within a 100-mile radius, which will include I think you're Sacramento, in a, a San Francisco. I really good position yeah. not only... You know, you're kind of in a good area where you're very accessible to Napa, uh, and obviously very accessible to Sonoma, and their tie-ins to the wine industry, I think, are going to be very important. Uh, everybody knows the cliche, it takes a lot of beer to make good wine, and uh, I know certainly know a lot of people I make wine with are real, really into their beers, so uh, I think, you know, your sort of uh, connections and obviously your family involvement in the wine industry, I think... You know, words already spread. I would say that, and it's, uh, you know, I think you're you're on to something. I'm excited to return and pass through again in six months and see uh, see where it's all headed. You know. Well, yeah, I'm I'm personally very very excited. I know that the uh, the family, the, the rest of the partners are also extremely excited. We uh, have spent literally over two years um, to develop what we have, and and uh, we're almost there as far as getting it to the marketplace and. Uh, uh, having that feedback from from people and taste our, our beer and and hopefully they can enjoy a few more and they can tell their friends. Yeah, I think you you've got the right attitude and you're uh, a calm, confident man. That you know you're making some good beers and uh, as we said, it's a beautiful place. I do want to mention a few of your uh, your websites here: CarnarisBrews.com uh, to check out where things are headed. Uh, also, Seha Farms Vineyard, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, producer of Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Petit Syrah, Zinfandel, Grenache, uh, set in the heart of Sonoma Valley. Um, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to, to tell? I think we're, I, we could dive in pretty good. I think I can come back and do this again soon and see how things are going because, uh, believe it or not, we just did 30 minutes in a blink, so that went pretty fast, and uh, we can watch the rest of this uh, San Francisco 49ers game. <laughs> Sounds good, Daniel. Salud and uh, Salud. many cheers. cheers. Yeah. Yep. Thanks a lot.